We are in the third week of this series called Pray First, and uh, last week we gave out these snazzy little green little bracelets. I don't know if you guys still got them, but just reminding us to pray first. I think in everything that we do, we want to honor the Lord first above all things, right? And I think the scripture would say that we love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. We want to honor Him in our finances first. We want to honor Him in our friendships first, at work. For everything we would do, we want to honor Him first. And, uh, and I think it's important that we learn how to pray in everything that we do and before everything that we do, and we just get his wisdom and his direction and, and uh, just ask for his blessing. Pray first. Two weeks ago, we started this little series um, as we started a 21-day fast. And so we're, uh, we're on day 15 today of our 21-day fast. And uh, if you also are joining in on this conversation late, we want to encourage you to fast with us right now as we're praying. What does fasting look like? Anything that you want to give up for the Lord. I'll explain that in just a second. But it's, it's our way of, of saying, God, I want more of you and less of me. John the Baptist, what Jesus called the greatest man that's ever lived. And he was good at less of me, more of you. Because he was a man of fasting. And when you empty yourself of you and you allow more room for God to live and to grow. And, and what happens is when you're fasting, the hunger inside of you, the resolve inside of you, for more of God grows as you push other things out of your life. And so whether it be coffee or sweets or, or intermittent fasting, that's a big one I'm hearing a lot of right now is people are saying, I'm, I'm skipping these meals and I'm only going to eat once a day or I don't know what it is if you got a doctor issue. You know, I mean, I have a hunger issue in my life all the time. I'm a, I live in a constant state of hunger. So I understand uh, this is not easy, but there is nothing more fulfilling. In the last two weeks, God has been opening up doors in my life that I don't want him to open. Anyone else ever, ever do this? Uh, I mean, God, he's, he's moving in my life. And God, I, I, I asked you to move, but I, I didn't ask you to do those things, you know? Like, uh, it, it's, no. Uh, anyways, okay, so um, here we go. Uh, so the, this whole theme was that we give up things we love for things that we love more. And so two weeks ago in the first message, we, we, we had the conversation that Jesus talked about a story when uh, a man brought their child to the disciples and said, hey, the, you're a disciple of Jesus. Will you pray that my son gets healthy? He's ill. And they prayed and nothing happened. And they brought him to Jesus. And they said, Jesus, would you uh, pray for this man, because of this little boy? Because we, we couldn't do it. And Jesus was frustrated with their lack of faith. And uh, he rebuked them. And, uh, and he said, you know, this, this, the problem here is that you're too connected with the world and you're not connected enough with the Lord. Um, and, and then he went on to, to explain, he, he prayed over the little boy and healed the little boy, and then he explained the solution to the disciples that what we need to do is disconnect from the world and connect to God. He said, these kinds of things only happen with prayer and with fasting. And so, and this is what fasting is. It's how we disconnect from everything that we're attached to so we can reattach ourselves closer with the Lord. Does that make sense? And so uh, and I really want to encourage you. Listen, as your pastor, I know that you're in your heart, you want to love God. I, I, I meet this in a lot of people. I have coworkers that want to love God. What happens is Paul, our, one of our, our apostles, wrote in the New Testament, he says that I want to love God. But there's a part of me that doesn't do it. I've got this struggle going on in my flesh that I, I want to do this, but I end up doing this. And then I, I do this, but I wanted to do that. And some of you want to pray more, and you can't. You want to read your Bible more, and you just can't. 
And it's because your flesh is stronger than your desire to love God. And so with that, this theme came out that we give up things we love for things we love more. And you'll see this is the, 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 the rhythm of our whole lives. We'll give up pursuing work or careers or dreams because we love sitting in front of the television more. And I'm asking you to check your heart and find out what's really more important to you and give up things you love for things you love more. Last week, we talked about this same rhythm here about fasting and prayer and disconnecting from the world and connecting with God. And, and I had a conversation with my kids, and I kind of invited you guys in on this conversation, and I was tricking them with uh, some really great questions. And here they were. They, they were this. They said, uh, hey, kids, if, um, uh, will God be angry at, at us if we don't pray to him? And they all said yes. And I said, no. God loves you, period. He loves you, period. And what I mean by that is that your pastor may be asking you to fast with us, but you don't have to fast for God to love you more. He loves you just as you are today. You don't have to do anything else. He's always going to love you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loves us even in our filth. And then I said last week, I said, well, well if, um, will God love us more if we pray? No. He, you, you, there's nothing else you have to do for God to love you more because of what Jesus did for you. That's it. He is 100% committed to you, and you don't have to do anything to earn that. And so then the last thing we talked about is, is that, that, that God will certainly bless us more because we pray to Him. And there is blessing, though, in prayer. There is multiple amount of rewards when we pray. And I listened to last week's sermon, and there were some things that kind of bothered me in it. Um, that I, I left out. Um, God won't be upset with me if I don't pray, and He won't love me more if I do pray, but He does get to enjoy me more when I pray. And so it is a blessing to Him. Uh, Acts chapter 13, verse 2, talks about how we can minister to the Lord. He is blessed when we, when we fast and when we pray and when we spend time with Him because He gets to enjoy us. The same is true with any relationship. When you isolate other people so that you can be intimate with one individual, that relationship will grow. And, uh, and, and so the Lord gets to enjoy you in a greater way. So, of course, He's going to do greater things in your life when you make time for Him. Does that make sense? You don't have to pray more, but you will grow more in love with Him, and He will grow more in love. He will enjoy you more when your discipline turns towards Him. Does that make sense? Okay, that brings me to this week. And I'm really excited about what's happening here. Oh, man. I've got to say this also. In two weeks from today, we are starting a new series that's going to go 13 weeks. I don't think we've ever done anything like this before. I can't explain to you how excited I am about what's happening in our church right now. I, I get this vibe that we're growing. And I get this vibe that a lot of you are growing. And I'm excited about what I believe is on the horizon. In two weeks from now, though, we're going to go and do some digging. Here's what I learned. When I became a Christian, a lot of things that people told me is that I, one of the things I had to do was I had to lay a foundation for God to move in my life. I've met a lot of people that love God, but their love fizzles out over time. You ever meet anyone that started to love God and just kind of lost it? What happens is because roots get in there and choke out the love for God. 
And we're going to go into this time where we're digging into our heart and talking about issues that, that has a way of getting a hold of our, of our love for God. And man, I'm, I, it is really going to rock your world for the 13 weeks, starting in two weeks. That's all I got. That's the last commercial you get there today. Okay, great. <laughs> hmm. Okay, so um, this week, is uh, the theme is Pray First. But we're talking about one verse that the Lord kind of dropped on me today, and I'm going to break this verse down into multiple different sections. And it's based out of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. I love this verse. I've preached on it a few times, and I find it to be very direct in a concentrated thought that God has for His church. Here you go. If you want to know who God is, this is how He feels. It is impossible to please God without faith. Let me stop there. It is impossible to please God without faith. That's, a, I don't, I, that's some one of the verses that I want to take out of the Bible. Because I would think that, you know, if I give, it would, it would please God. Or if I can, but if you can't give without faith, then you can't please God with it. There's, this is a verse that's important. He needs you to learn to grow your faith. And that's one, of the, that's one of the reasons why he rebuked those disciples when they couldn't heal that little boy, because they didn't have faith. They were too connected with worldly thinking and not connected enough to God. And what we've got to do is figure out how do we cultivate our faith. If faith pleases God, then we want to cultivate that, right? Am I the only person here? Stay with me here. If we, faith pleases God, then we want, to, we want to cultivate that. So this is what it says. It is impossible to please God without faith. For anyone who comes to God must first believe that God exists and that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Anyone who comes to God must first believe that He exists. We're going to talk about that for a second. Point number one today in this message is that God exists. And you're like, yeah, I mean, come on. Is that really important? No, it kind of is. Because it's not just that He exists. It's the way He exists. And uh, I'm going to get into this is point one. I love this point. I think it's cool, and I hope I can do it justice. Psalms chapter 19, verses 1 through 4, reads this. The heavens proclaim the glory of God, and the skies display His craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. and Night after night, they make Him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. The heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. Is God real? And as you look up, man, you think about how big and how massive. It's funny to me when I talk to atheists about, um, about whether God exists or not in the conversation. And it, it blows my mind that people believe that there was something way over here. And it exploded into perfect order everywhere else in the world. It, the, the, the earth itself and the way that earth exists is a complete conundrum, conundrum to everyone. Think about this. Right now, we're, everyone is complaining about global warming. Have you heard of this before? I don't know. It's, it's kind of a big deal. Think about this. If we were a little bit closer to the sun, even the way we spin, right? Like sometimes we are closer to the sun. When we got a little bit closer to the sun, everything would melt, and we wouldn't have land. This would be terrible. But we're not too close to the sun. But if we got a little bit further away, we would freeze, and we would have nothing here. We would all just be ice pops, and we would not exist. The very 
perfect, like earth in its, in its gravitational pull is extremely ridiculously perfect. The fact that there are these things called trees that provide oxygen, that allow everything that's living to breathe is mind-blowing. The fact that you need lungs and a circulatory system, and the fact that you can have a musculatory system, and like everything in your body, and the DNA, and the things that God has created on earth, it's too perfect to have, what, what do you know that was birthed out of chaos and became perfect? It, it's mind-blowing. And so I think about this, the earth itself, I mean, God is just, He's bigger than our understanding. I thought about distance. You know, we traveled back to Pennsylvania a couple uh, last year. We drove up to Pennsylvania, and it was like a thousand miles to drive from here to there, and it took us forever. You know what I mean? Especially when you have screaming children in the car. It was a fantastic ride. I love, <laughs> encourage you guys to try that. But that was just a thousand miles, and I think about how big God is. I think that you I don't know if you know, but the Earth is twenty four thousand nine hundred miles in circumference. It's almost five twenty five thousand miles. God is big, and the heavens are declaring the glory of God. So I want to turn your eyes just a little bit bigger than 25,000 miles for a second to talk about how big God is. The scripture says that God holds the universe in the palm of his hand. Check this out. The, the Milky Way is the galaxy that our solar system fits into in perfect harmony which is mind-blowing to me. Let me show you a picture of, of what we think our, our, the, the Milky Way galaxy looks like. Uh, and so what's crazy about the Milky Way galaxy is um, it is 100,000 light years in diameter. 100,000 light years in diameter. And let me explain. So how big is a light year? I had to Google this. Even just this thought floors me. Like it's ridiculous to think of, oh my gosh, I don't know how people don't understand that the heavens are declaring God's glory. Multiply the number of seconds in a year by the number of miles that a light year travels in a second. And there you have it. A light year is about 5.88 trillion miles. 5.88 trillion miles in our galaxy is 100,000 light years. Our galaxy is ridiculously huge. And to make that even crazier, let me show you. We believe that you are right there. That's mind-blowing. Like the heavens declare that God is good and everything is in perfect order today, whether you see it or not. And I, so I wanted to take a look at the, at, the, at the heavens as they declare that God is real and the glory of God. And so I, I found a couple, uh, I don't know if you know this, but it takes eight minutes for light to come from the sun and get to earth. Eight minutes, because we're not that far apart, apparently. Uh, let me show you a picture of what we call a Hoag's object. It's 600 million light years away. That is... I just I just Googled like crazy beautiful galaxies and I and I was like that's pretty awesome and I love the way it circles around this infinite light. Six hundred thousand million light years away. I, I can't even say it now. It, my, my, it hurts my mind to think this way. I don't know about anyone else. Let me, I, there was another really cool one I wanted to show you. It's called uh, the purpose the, the porpoise galaxy and this is three hundred million light years away. And I don't know about you, but when I think of the heavens declaring the glory of God, 
Uh, it, it thinks when the scripture says that they that God holds the heavens between his thumb and his index finger, I, I kind of think of God's finger touching a planet. I don't know about you. Right? It's like, can you see it? It's like God has cool fingernails, though. Um, uh, and so I, I see, this is what I see when I look at this. And there's, there's another one. They, they say that this one can be seen with binoculars from certain parts of Earth at certain times of the year. This is called the World Pole Galaxy. And it's only 23 million miles away. But this is one of, I think, the coolest World Pole Galaxies, right? And what's neat and fascinating about this is that heavens declare the glory of God is that there was uh, multiple studies done on this through the Hubble telescope, right? And uh, once this Hubble telescope was, was created and made and started studying the skies, what they started doing is, is they wanted to know more about each galaxy. And so they started zooming in on different parts, right? And so they zoomed in on the core of the World Pole Galaxy, and this is what it looks like. The heavens declare the glory of God. I don't know if you realize this, but 23 million miles away, light is traveling at 5.88 trillion miles a second. This happened thousands of years ago when God exploded this galaxy into a formation, but waited to make it look like this. 23 million light years away, so that way... We had to wait until we can invent a telescope to take a picture of it, to tell us that Jesus Christ reigns. At the foundations of the earth, God wants us to know that he, he reigns. And so I even go further out than that, just for a second to just remind you that before the foundations of the earth were, were made, can you show the last photo? God wanted you to know that he has a plan for your life. And that He loves you more than anything in this world. When it says that the heavens declare the glory of God, 300,000 million years ago, God exploded a galaxy and waited for us to take a picture of it so He can remind us of what His Son did for us. And everything was created through Him for him and by him. And he loved so much that he was willing to lay it all down. Hmm. Let me give you a verse here. We can thank you, Lee. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Um, I was thinking about how it's important. Let me go back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 for a second. And it says, For it is impossible to please God without faith. For anyone that comes to God must first believe that he exists, point number one, God exists, and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. I want you to know it's not just that God exists that I'm trying to show you when I think of the galaxies and I think of things that God has done, but what I want you to see is that God exists, that he is love, and that he is Jesus, and that he loves you. And so point number two today during this message of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, is that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek you. But I want you to, I was thinking about what are the two ways that I could get you to, to provoke you to want to seek God, to earnestly or diligently seek God. Outside of chaos in your life or some kind of destructive 
um, circumstance or some kind of um, crazy need, it's hard to diligently seek God, right? And I was thinking about, I think there's only two things that will motivate you to seek Him diligently. The first one is love. When you recognize that God loves you, that what He wrote in the galaxy uh, of the Whirlpool galaxy, 23 million light years away, and he did right here 2,000 years ago on earth as he gave his life for us, that he loves you. I remember I was traveling, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave. I remember there's been seasons of my life where I've learned this and 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 learned this, and I forget it, and I relearn it. I remember there was a, there was a day I was traveling. I left, moved to California, moved back to Florida about uh, 12 years ago, and I think it was like 2005. Um, I was traveling. Some friends of mine said, hey, I'm moving to California. Will you drive with me? And I was like, yeah, sure. Road trips are pretty fun. So we got in the car, and we drove, and uh, we stopped in Texas and picked up another friend, and then we, we, we drove up to, to Colorado, and uh, we, we were planning on meeting other friends there, and I had no idea where we were going. I was just enjoying the road trip. You know, back in the day when we had those maps that you would get out, you know, and I don't know, it was like, like years ago, right? And so uh, we had this map out, and we just kind of circled the map, and I didn't know. I just knew we were going to stop in Colorado, and so we stopped at an event. We pulled in late at night, and I remember it was a little foggy, and we drove up this mountain, and it was crazy to get in, and um, we, when we got there, I, there was a little stream that we found out we were camping and you know, when you're 24 years old, it doesn't matter. You're just going with it. You know, you got no kids. You're fine. We're just getting, so we're camping. So we pitched a tent in the middle of the night, you know, and we got the car lights on so we can get the poles, right? You know, you've ever done this before. You're so mad. You're cussing at everyone. You, you get into the tent, you sleep for the night. And so in the morning we woke up and I didn't know where I was. And it turns out I was in a town called Telluride, Colorado. I don't know if you ever heard of it. I didn't know about it, but it's kind of a big deal. Oprah's got a house there, and Tom Cruise got a house there, all these crazy rich people got a house there, and I didn't know anything about it. But I remember very carefully, very, very, very much I remember it, uh, is that when I unzipped the tent in the morning, and I walked, and I kind of opened out, and there was a stream that was coming down, and I was right there, and everything was just green. It was so beautiful. And uh, as I kind of um, adjusted myself, and I looked, there's this massive mountain that we're right on the base of this huge, glorious, wonderful mountain. And uh, you kind of turn, and there's another mountain right on the other side. And so you're right in the middle of this flat land that there's a whole town built on at the base of two gorgeous, green, wonderful mountains. And in the wintertime, this is like a snow resort. And in the summertime, people travel, and they ride bikes, and they do all kinds of crazy stuff there, and it's wonderful. And uh, in the other direction, there's another mountain with the largest waterfall that I have ever seen in my life just overflowing right into this town that happened to make this little river that I was camped on and it was the most glorious thing I've ever seen in my life and so all of us said we've got to go there right now and so we went up there and I'm standing there and I'm like this is just beautiful if you don't believe me you could google pictures of it uh, tell your ride Colorado it's fantastic and I'm standing there, and I'm saying to myself, God, this is the most beautiful thing that I've ever seen. And um, I don't know what it's like when you hear God's voice, but people say this often. And so what it's like for me is it's not like I didn't hear anyone say anything. I knew something, something that came out of nowhere that I wouldn't have gotten on my own. I just kind of knew something. Uh, my old pastor used to say, you, you know deep down in your knower. When God speaks, he speaks down here, not up here. And I'm like, all right, that kind of makes sense. And so I'm standing looking at this mountain. God, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And I felt like God spoke to me in my knower. And he said, 
No, you are. And uh, this is back when uh, we used to have Bibles that we carried with us. I mean, this is a long time ago. But if you were really like a big, like, you know, you loved Jesus back then, you had these little pocket Bibles, or at least we all did. We'd keep them in our pocket, walk around, you know, we're all Christian-like, you know. Had our had the limp on, you know, and I got my <laughs> little Bible. And uh, I was doing a devotion with a friend, and uh, this is the verse that God took me to at the base of this mountain, as God told me that I was the most beautiful thing that he'd ever seen. And it's one of the loudest verses that's ever changed my life. I want you to know that God loves you. Songs of Solomon, chapter 4, verse 9, it says this. You have captured my heart, my treasure, my bride. And you hold it hostage with one glance of your eyes. With a single jewel of your necklace. You've captured my heart, my treasure, my bride. With one glance from your eyes. Let me explain something to you about the love of God. God, uh, he, he made the heavens and the, and the earth, and he said that it was good. He made the cattle, and he said that it was good. He made the sky and the water, and he said that it was good. But when he made man, it was very good. It was impressive to him. And more importantly, you know what else is different? I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship where you've been rejected. But there's something about when someone wants you back, and they make eye contact with you, and you melt them. I don't know if you realize this. But God, he isn't really impressed with the world pole galaxy as much as it is you when you look at him. When you want him back, you're all his. That's why I love like when prayer, like when, when, like when prayer is being taught right, you know, Jesus is standing at Lazarus' tomb and he starts this prayer and it's like so theologically awesome. First thing he says is, Father, I thank you that you always hear me when I pray. Why? Because he, Jesus knows he's talking to God of love. God is always, that's why he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, Lord. I'll be with you always, even to the ends of the earth, because God loves you. No, he is fascinated with you. No, God is crazy. He's obsessive. He's weird about you. He is into you. He know, How weird is God? He knows the number of hairs on your head, the Bible says. That's creepy, dude. Like, I'm talking about, like, a little creepy, you know? Push back, Jesus, need some space, you know. Um, he loves you. And, uh, you know, when I, and we're, we're talking about um, a prayer, it, the Lord's Prayer, the first thing that we do when we pray is we start off by not our problems, not our issue, not our sin, not our shame, not our bills, not everything else going on. We start off by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, your name is great. Because we want to connect with the person first. In any relationship, you got to remember the person you're sitting with is more important than you are. That's why you're sitting with them. And so I want you to know that God loves you. Here's a cool verse that I, um, I wanted to show you here real quick. Is this good? This is good, right? This, this, this is good. It's good. <laughs> this is a neat little uh, scripture, and it's found in John. And Jesus prayed this right before he went to the cross. Right before Jesus is about to, to die, he's with his disciples and he's praying and he, they're hearing him. And 20 years later, when John's writing the gospel, he remembered what Jesus prayed for you. Thought you should hear it. My prayer is not for the world. He's talking to the Father. But for those that you have given me, because they belong to you. And all who are mine belong to you. But you have given them to me. And so they bring me glory. 
they bring me glory. Other translations would say, I find glory in them and from them. So what I mean is, I don't know if you understand the Father's heart. I don't know if you understand someone that's ever sacrificed or uh, anyone that's ever graduated from, with a degree from school or anything you've ever worked really hard to obtain. But when Jesus lived his life and sacrificed everything and fame and fortune and could have been great and could have, could have been hailed and could have had a palace on earth and all these other things, when he gave his life on the cross and he sat down in heaven, his reward was you. Was that you would come to him and sit with him. God loves you. He finds glory in you. And so I don't know what else I can say to motivate us to pray outside of that. You know, like, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But anyone who comes to God must first believe that God exists and that He's a rewarder of those that seek Him because He wants nothing more than to be with that person. That is the reward. Like, that's it. But I know that there's others that are looking for a greater reward. And there are other kinds of rewards. And I'm going to get to that, and I'm going to come back to point number two in a minute. In point number three, I, I, I'm only going to give you one verse here, and then I'm just going to ablib this, if that's okay. We're going to see where this goes. It may get a little crazy here. I'm going to roll up my sleeves for this one. Here we go. Um, point number three is this. God wants to honor your faith. So when we're talking about prayer, prayer and faith go hand in hand. That's why when the disciples prayed for the little boy and they couldn't heal him, this bothered Jesus. Why? Because as you being his disciple, God wants you to be able to bring impact into every circumstance and every arena that you're in in your life. Amen? Let me say this again because I, I want to get to the point where if, if you don't believe this, I don't know what you're going to do for the rest of your life that's going to bring glory to God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And anyone that comes to God must first believe that God exists and that he rewards those that diligently seek him. Your faith, God wants to use in a way that will create impact everywhere you go. So Jesus um, came and he spoke after he was resurrected. Stay with me 10 minutes. Jesus came and he spoke to his disciples and he said to them all, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Now go. All power in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go. All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go. One of the rewards of those that diligently seek God is the reality that you can create change everywhere you want to go. Now, I know that what is in your heart is that you want to be an influencer. You want to be a leader. You want to create change. You have to learn to change your identity in the way that you see you from the perspective in which the Father sees you. He loves 
You. He loves everything about you. You are not weak. You are not dumb. You are not incapable. You are a nation shaker. You're a nation changer. You're a life changer. This is who you are. He said that I was the light of the world. Now you're the light of the world. Jesus left and said, you are the hope of the nations. You're the salt of the earth. Like, listen, he's invested in us. Listen to this. Paul said that we are ambassadors of Christ Jesus. Ambassadors of Christ Jesus. How cool would it be if I got to be the ambassador of Trump? I mean, probably only, I'd probably only work for like a week, right? But uh, uh, think about this. If you were an ambassador of a nation, what that means is you're a, represent, you're a representative and everything that you speak, you're speaking on behalf of the king. What you say represents him. It's important that we have integrity then, huh? You speak and it represents him. What does God want? He wants that no one should perish, but that all would have eternal life, right? He wants to see that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, right? Help me with this. Let me, help me finish this, because I feel like this is the kind of thing where you've got to buy into. You can believe God likes you. You can believe that God wants to enjoy you, but it's really hard for you to believe that you can be significant everywhere you go. And so when God left, he said, I'm leaving earth, I am the light of the world, now I'm leaving, now you're going to be the light of the earth. He gave us his spirit. All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me, now here's my Holy Spirit. Now you have all authority in all of heaven and earth. I just want you to be effective. One of the reasons why prayer is such a struggle to so many people is because we don't feel like we're good at it. Like, I just, I'm just not good at it. Like, I don't know what to say. I don't know. That's why we gave you an outline. But when you're praying, well, last week, we got to read the podcast. It was good. Right. <laughs> you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would bear, go and bear much fruit and that that fruit should remain. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. This is what I think is really critical as us as Christians. First, I'm going to talk to you guys. You guys are going to get... you got to pray the scripture. Either God is a liar or he's not. Either he's a liar or he's not. But I think when I read that, it says that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give to you. Let's read that together. Whatever we ask the Father in my name, he will give to you. Whatever. Now, that means anything. That means that you can have faith to change things. What is God's will? He wants to see everyone saved. In the scripture, in the Greek or in the Hebrew, when you break things down, to be saved means sozo. That's the word for it. To be saved, healed, and delivered. That's God's will for all of man. Saved, healed, and delivered. Saved, healed, and delivered. Now, let me explain something. Brian, you are not the son of a Castro anymore. You're the son of the Lord. And so when he loves you and he invites you into his relationship, your authority changes. I love when, I, when you like watch a movie or a show or something like that where there's like a doctor that's working and they get called in another room. One of the first things they do is they put their jacket on 
They're like, yeah, because now I'm, I'm a doctor. You know what I mean? You've got to put on that robe of righteousness that means that you're someone greater, of someone of more authority. And mentally, you have to wear those things. You have to learn to walk in that authority. How do I get all of us to be authoritative? It's very, see, there's some people in here, it's in their DNA to be authoritative. Like, they're just good. JB is a really good authoritative person, right? I mean, things aren't very black, like, aren't very uh, gray with JB. His personality is black, white, boom, done. Summer, very good. Black and white. Faith is easy for these people because authority comes natural to them. But there are some that authority does not come natural to. And you have to stir that up inside of you. Why? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But anyone who comes to God must first believe that God exists, and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So here's what I, I, I need to try to ask you to help me with. When you pray, when you're praying for things in your life, that's a good time to ask God. Why? Because it's a little slippery when you're talking about God's will being done, right? Like, I don't know if it's your will that I get a brand new 2018 um, Chevy pickup truck. You know what I mean? I don't know, the GMC, Lord, with the rims on it. You know, I don't know if that's your will. So God, let your will be done in my life. Open doors, close doors, let it happen, right? It's hairy when it's for you. But when it's for someone else, our job is only to speak life. That's all we do. We only believe for other people to have breakthrough. That's what Jesus did. Everyone came to them. He prayed for them. And all we do, the only thing we pray for is life. We always speak life. Life looks like saved, healed, and delivered. That's what faith looks like. Can God, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Well, was it, well, maybe that was like 2,000 years ago that he was talking about. Come on. Are, are you supposed to get saved right now? Then you're supposed to get saved, healed, and delivered right now. This is God's will. He does want to heal you. I understand that that's weird to some people. Why? Because there's people like Smith Wigglesworth. Healed everyone that he knew and had, a, and had a club foot. Come on, man. What's up with that? God, did you like miss something or what's going on there? But that dude never stopped believing for his miracle. And you should never stop believing for your miracle. But when we pray for others, we pray faith. Now, let me show you a couple of things. The centurion man. Um, I'm thinking about all the scriptures, in, uh, all the stories in scripture. The, the centurion man came to Jesus and said, hey, I've got this guy that works for me. He needs healing. And Jesus said, well, all right, well let's go. And he says, no, 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 no. I don't need you to come to my house. All you got to do is say it and I'll believe it. And Jesus said, faith like that, I've never seen. That pleased Jesus. Do you understand? Faith he's seen in someone else got him excited, and he said, I have not seen faith like that in all of Israel. Let me show you another story. The apostles, and, and please understand, the centurion didn't pray and say, God, if you would, because this is what we do. Rico's got a cough, and he asked for prayer, so what a lot of us do, and I'm not saying that you're bad, but I'm just saying sometimes, like James said, we pray amiss. We pray it the wrong way, because if we're not praying in faith, we're not praying right, and this is hard, and it's going to take training Please understand, you don't just learn how to ride a bike. You, it's a discipline. Faith is difficult. Some people are only good at faith, and I'll get there. I'm going to come back to that. So we pray with Rico. Oh, God, I just pray that if you would heal Rico, you would just bless him. That'd be great. This is, this is what's wrong. Even in the Old Testament, the man of the house gave a blessing 
to each one of his kids. He didn't ask God to bless them. He blessed them. And the words that he spoke came out of his life, out, out of his mouth, and created life in their lives. Some of them were cursed. Some of them, their lives were changed. This is why we have to protect what we say in our marriages to our coworkers. Because you can speak a curse over people's life that they have a hard time shaking for the rest of their life. We speak life. Okay. So throughout the New Testament, there was multiple healings where the apostles didn't even ask God. They didn't gather together. They didn't get out the oil. They didn't anoint them. Let me explain to you. The gate beautiful. I think it's Acts 3, maybe Acts 4. The apostles are, are going to prayer in the morning. They're going to the temple. And on their way to the temple, this is what happens. There's a baker. He's blind. And he says, hey, guys, can I, can I get some change? You know, I'm bad day here. I need some money. And the apostles say, silver and gold I don't have. But what I give, crippled, man. I'm sorry. Thank you. But what I do have, that's right. He was crippled because he says, get up and walk. <laughs> he says, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Okay. So I want you to understand. When you're the cripple, it's really hard for you to be like, today's my day, man. I'm just going to get up. But you, other people can speak over you and be like, today's your day. And it may not be, but we pray again tomorrow, daggone it. And we're going to pray again the next day. There was a couple of scriptures in, in, where Jesus actually had to pray multiple times for someone's healing. So if Jesus had to pray a couple times, you may have to pray 15 times for them to get it. But you always speak life. And here's the difference. We're not asking for God's blessing in a situation where he already gave it. If he's asking you to be sons and daughters, co Romans chapter 8 says that we are co-heirs with Christ. That's a, I don't even like that verse. It says that, we are, that he has lifted us up to a position that is almost equal to him. I ain't no way equal to him. But the mentality that I should walk in is that he has made me significant to every circumstance that I'm in. And I speak life. So, if I told you today, this is my close. Ready for this? No, actually, I got to say, uh, I'm going to close and I'm going to tell you a story and I'm going to close again. Is that cool? <laughs> if I told you today that if you started praying life for your family and for your friends and they started getting healed, would you do it? Here's the difference. In a lot of our prayer times, it gets so boring because what we're doing is we're saying, God, if you would, then that'd be great. There's no expectation. There's, there's, it's just dot, 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 and while we wait on him. But instead, he's given us the authority, and so it changes things when you're, when you're, when you're the one that can intercede and can make difference. Now, prayer is exciting because when I go to prayer, I got work to do. You can release your faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to God must first believe, and I understand that we are all on different levels with this. This does not mean that you're wrong if you don't have faith that's strong yet. But it does mean that together, we're going to get stronger. This church is going to have faith that can move mountains. Your family needs this church to have faith that can move mountains. Amen? So I need you because you're the church.
Faith works. What frustrates me is that faith works so much. I have to come back to this. Otherwise, I can be cheating you of important theology. Faith works so much that I've seen ministries exercise great amounts of faith without love. Great amounts of faith without prayer or repentance. Great amounts of faith without submission. And what happens is that's why Jesus gave us a model to pray. Because he wants us to seek him first, praise him, surrender, deal with the junk in our life. Because what happens is when you start getting this thing down that I can heal people, I can help people, I can help bring breakthrough into their marriage or into their finances or into their friendships or into their dot, 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 into their job, their career, it works. And I've seen people get it in their head that it's them, and they, they, they stop turning to God for submission, for surrender, for repentance, for other things, and, and cancer grows inside of them, and it's gross. It's important that we understand that, man, like, first thing we want is to love God. Like, more important than anything, let's love, let's love, 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 love Him. And let's let Him love you. But in that process, it takes faith to believe that God exists. And it takes faith to believe that God wants to reward you. First, with His love. And so I close with this. This is the last close. Some of you are here right now, and you need to know that God is for you and not against you. You need to know that you don't have to do anything for God to love you. He loves you. There's things in you that he'll enjoy more if you can change. But he's all in on you. He's all in. He just loves you. And if there was any things that I can do that can motivate you, let's please understand, I'm grateful you came to church. This is not a relationship with Jesus. This is a relationship with a bunch of people that's having a relationship with Jesus. But intimacy happens behind closed doors one-on-one. And you can make that time fun if you learn that he is crazy about you and that you're the most beautiful thing that he's going to see tomorrow morning and that he enjoys your weird sense of humor and he enjoys you being quirky and he loves the way you sneeze and fart. Like these are things are all okay. He's your creator. He made you that way. There's nothing that's not like when it happens, whatever's happening in your prayer closet, enjoy it. Or it's not right. But when you're there, learn to activate your faith. That the things that you're saying and praying for others is significant or it's a miss. Does that make sense? Would you all bow your heads and close your eyes for a second? We started off by talking about that God, He exists, and then that God loves you. And I think there, there's a few people here that have made some mistakes that are pretty big in their life recently. And they just, um, they're having a hard time hitting the reset button. 
if you're here and um, you don't know if you're right with God, and you don't know if God is all about you, and you just, you want what Jesus did on Calvary to wash you and cleanse you. That's you. You say, I got a situation. Would you just slip your hand up right now? God bless you, and God bless you, and God bless you. You know what? I'm, I, I love you. Thank you for doing that. All we want, God, is to be found by you. You're our creator. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father, that you forgive us. I thank you that today there is new life in Jesus. That yesterday is washed away and that you are here right now closer than any brother or sister. There's no one like you. You're good. You are good, you are good, you are good, and you are good. Wash us in your Holy Spirit. Wash us in your blood. Forgive us of our sins and teach us to enjoy you back. Restore our identity in you. And give us faith. In Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys. Loaded calendar. We are feeding some folks this afternoon. If you would help AJ, he's in the back. Most handsome dude in the room. Good looking dude. Help him out. We're going to go feed some folks. Love you guys. We'll see you soon.